0: Welcome to Shared Ground, where we meet to explore the forests of Eastern Canada and our relationships to them through conversations with all sorts of people. One of the main purposes of this podcast is to hear opinions, perspectives, and ideas for many different people. Each will hopefully lead to a better understanding of the bigger picture. Nothing presented here is intended as a final word. I am Amanda Bostland, and I live in Migmagi on the unceded and traditional territory of the Mi'kmaq people. I am on the lookout for ideas, practices, and attitudes that offer mutual benefit for humans and all species for whom these lands are home. I believe in the importance of finding shared ground, where as humans we can live well and meet our needs while contributing to thriving forests and the well-being of all the incredible life we share this planet with. On a midwinter's day, I made the journey up to Last Hope Wildlife Corridor for the first time. This is a small forest slated for logging in the Annapolis County. It is located in the Gespigdwick district, which is one of the seven traditional districts of Mi'kmaq and covers the southwest part of what is now also known as Nova Scotia. Here, on the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people, and also at the site of the historic Last Hope hunting camp, is an extremely dedicated and thoughtful group of people who have been camping out to protect this forest from being logged by Westfor. Westfor is a consortium of mills licensed by the province to manage logging on so-called crown lands. Members of Extinction Rebellion and other forest protectors from all over the province have come together to save this forest for the benefit of various species and future human generations. I had been really curious to visit this place and to meet some of the people involved. In this episode, you'll get a sense about why folks have been leaving the comforts of their own homes to protect these lands and why protecting this forest is important to many different people near and far. You will hear the voices of the forest protectors who were there that day when I arrived, as well as the sounds of them going about some camp chores. Eleanor gives me a little orientation and shows me options for where I can set up my tent. We then go for a walk on the slippery snow covered logging roads. There are a few places where our footsteps sound quite loud, but don't worry, these parts don't last for too long. On our way back, we are startled by an unexpected sound which I cannot place at first, and that leads us to a surprise visitor back at the camp.
1: Okay, so this is the new compost bag. Okay. It's really cozy and
0: colorful in here. Isn't it great? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, Nina was saying the same thing too. She was like, she's like, I'm so glad it's not those blue tarps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> orange and green, surprisingly nice color. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to take this one with me.
2: Let um, me just do these up.
1: Yeah, you're going to do the dishes? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna do your... Okay. All right, let's go for a walk. Okay. Okay, so this tent really is only just being used for, um, you know, to store stuff to keep dry now because this was originally the tent where you could go and be warm but it's not as good as the new one. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's more in here,
0: look at another stove. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Who's yeah. bringing all the stoves? Somebody
1: made that one. Here? Somebody made it and donated. There's a lot wow. of people who are paying attention and want to help yeah yeah there's Mm -hmm. not there's not always uh, lots of people willing to camp overnight but uh, a lot of people
0: providing various but a lot of people like
1: coming to help and dropping by and bringing stuff and yeah and Mm -hmm. donating we put out a call for donations just like two and a half three days ago and there's already two thousand dollars wow yeah yeah,
0: And and is it like a whole wide range of people that are interested in...
1: I think so. Like, there's a lot of people in Nova Scotia that have been concerned about the way the forestry industry has been going for years now. There's mm-hmm. the Healthy Forest Coalition. There's the Medway Community Forest. There's, um, there's like a lot of different organizations full of uh, people who were already very frustrated. And so I think when Extinction Rebellion came along and Nina, um... So Nina's mm. name will come up a lot, okay, <laughs> because she's really freaking awesome, and uh, is um, sort of her way to cope with despair is to do stuff mm. as opposed to despair. I have a mi- mixture. Sometimes I cry on the couch. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. No, I know that too. Sometimes yeah. you just
0: don't have the energy to do things, even though you think they're really important.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nina is really good at making things happen, Great. and. Um, And so between doing Don't Spray actions uh, against glyphosate and then um, last year's, I don't know, how many days were they at Rocky Point Lake, George? Two Two months. Two months. Yeah. And Uh, it must have been heartbreaking that it got logged after all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One year later it got logged. Yeah. And 11 people at least got arrested for that, including me. I wasn't there at that. I never went to that actual encampment, but I got arrested with a friend at the DLF in Halifax. Oh, really? Yeah. And you know what? We went to court. I pled not guilty because it's actually within the law. Um, they charged us with a law, with a thing sa- that says uh, failing to leave property when directed to leave. And it's under the Protection of Property Act. Okay. But when you look at that actual law, there's a section at the bottom of it that says it's not illegal if you're in the process of a peaceful demonstration in an area where the public is normally allowed to go oh it actually says it's not illegal no charge mm-hmm. so i pled not guilty uh-huh. and i won oh, okay. we went to court and uh I, we were acquitted and the judge actually said uh, it was part of their uh, democratic rights and always fine to protest political issues and they believed they had a right to be there and they did mm-hmm. and the government is appealing it no way Yeah. The government is appealing it. They want to grind us in and say, no, you're guilty for doing a peaceful sit-in in in a government office. Anyway, I'm not sure if I entirely understand it all, but, but it doesn't... It's just crazy that they would try to say that were guilty even when the judge said it's completely and the judge
0: said rates. it and it's yeah. right, clear language right in yeah. the wow yeah. isn't that something mm-hmm. and what about places like this then that are crowned that are public land would it not
1: um, uh this is public land and so uh you're allowed to have a protest camp here you're um officially you're not allowed to do a blockade and block the roads uh but they can't stop you unless they get an injunction oh i see yeah and so that's what happened last year um, at rocky point lake is they got an injunction and then the folks stayed after yeah, that and, and that's so then when it was yeah that's longer. when they got okay. arrested yeah mm-hmm. um but so far here nothing's going on we're just here yeah yeah so that's nine
0: tent there. It's cozy. Yeah. Little tents nestled in various spots in the snowy woods. Yeah,
1: yeah. and then Jacob and Heather are coming tonight. That's their tent. Oh, so they just this left it set up. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, so folks that are like knowing they're gonna come back often have left oh, tents up. That's out. interesting. This is the thunderbox. Ha! So just before you got here I was digging a big hole. Um, and I'm gonna I want to eat breakfast first <laughs> I and mean, then take the bucket and dump it into the hole and then cover it up and so there's a bag of sawdust uh-huh. and there's some toilet paper there and okay. there oh these are my mittens
0: yes there there's more mice in my
1: house than there are
0: around i know guys right? <laughs> i know i've got <laughs> issues too yeah. and is everyone camping just pretty much somewhere along that
1: path yeah well dinner, i slept or? in my car the first night ah. um and that's also i think what george and emily have been doing oh but uh there is this tow platform here you could you could put a tent on that and then you're not like right on the snow and on the ground oh yeah hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> careful <laughs> that was lucky Holds some ice hitting underneath yes though. it's pretty icy underneath um <laughs> but thank yeah. you for the demonstration actually i might you're not welcome, have been that man. careful <laughs> you're welcome um, i can show you this way okay so there's um a chunk of private land up here and the, and, the, and the private land fella is like completely against all this stuff being cut and the there's another fella named Randy who has a camp a cabin up here mm-hmm. and he's uh, also very supportive of their camp. Anyway, it's a lovely cabin and uh, he has offered that people can use it if the weather is uh, really
3: awful. Oh. Yeah.
1: Um, and so this area was known as a uh, your last hope for getting food for your table so it's your last hope for dinner by finding wildlife so but therefore it's also the last hope for wildlife too <laughs> and there actually was a camp like there actually was a, a, a cabin that was used um and we have a little sign over there where we were walking up towards where the tents are and where mm-hmm. we were walking up towards the latrine before you get there we've got a little sign and it's actually where there actually used to be a cabin um, that people could use in the community when they were coming in c- and hunting oh. here. Um, and I think that was torn down back in the 80s or something like that. That outhouse door was um, was uh, salvaged from That's the cabin. A pretty teeny narrow door for a cabin. Yeah. <laughs>
3: And
0: so there are people in, that are just watching out for, like watching the natural resources logging maps to see what yes. they're doing next and what, yeah. what is inappropriate.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, the problem is, is those, those um, Harvest Map Plan viewers are, it seems like they're purposely made to be confusing mm. and purposely made to be difficult. And people with rural Internet, they can barely even access it. Um, and they won't let you comment on the whole picture they only let you comment on little piece by piece by piece and the problem is is that any one little particular area might you know get its boxes checked as being okay with the rules that they're using to choose but if you look at the entire picture it's like this is not okay
0: uh uh-huh. If all those little pieces have yes, been cut, then that's the right. remaining ones maybe shouldn't be. Yeah. Spiders. And
1: like they might also like, well, this is, this is a, we, you know, this is still okay. We haven't cut that. And this is okay. We haven't cut that. But that's not okay for, for the wildlife and, or the mainland moose or anything because they can't get to this anymore. Right. So they fragmented it. Mm. Um, and so this area here, they call it a prescription. Apparently I think it's only a 30% cut is what they want to do. So I think the forestry company is saying, you know, why are you making such a big deal of it? It's not a clear cut. We're not gonna we're not gonna clear cut. We're gonna only you know, that's pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. But the problem is is that there is so many other clear cuts already that that the argument is is there needs to be some areas that are just left untouched. And this was cut eighty years ago it's it's only 80 years old Mm -hmm. it's not when you take a walk like down that road further that we we were going you could go for a walk into the woods Mm -hmm. I would suggest Mm -hmm. while you're here you'll see that the trees aren't very big like like um and that's 80 years yeah. worth of growth yeah that's right and so it's already a struggling forest the last little struggling forest yes! in yeah there's not very many places for the the animals to shelter when it's like a terrible storm which we're getting all the time now right yeah so the pine martin the wood turtle and the mainland moose are all known to be here um but also it's a climate crisis and the trees yeah <laughs> you know
0: I got the uh, Paul Hawkins' latest book, uh, Regeneration, I think it's called, but it's uh, kind of, I don't know if it's a sequel to Drawdown, but um, okay. Anyway, they have a for- forestry section, and I guess someone has coined the term "proforestation," which I thought was interesting oh, yeah. to yeah. keep. You know, the ins- more important than reforestation is to keep the trees intact, keep the, intact, yeah, keep that's the right. healthy ecosystems, and, <laughs> that's and right. the carbon sequestration value there, as well as other things, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bob Bancroft is continuously going on about uh, the fact that the soil can't handle it. Mm. They they say that trees are a renewable resource because they grow back but they take a long time to grow back we don't have that time with the carbon issues Um, and in the meantime the way they're doing it the soil completely gets less and less nutrient dense and is not even capable of growing back and and then the other thing too is if they come in and uh, make logging roads that's where poachers get in. That's where deer get in, and deer have the disease. There's some worm disease in their brain or something that comes in, and then that ends up causing problems for the wildlife. Um, so it's sort of a a cycle of just leave it alone, and maybe it'll be all right. Right, <laughs> you know, leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. Although not everyone
0: is against any harvesting.
1: Yes. Yep. That's yeah. true. It's just that. So. Um, Most of the time, uh, folks, and including Extinction Rebellion people, are like, yeah, ecological forestry is possible, Mm -hmm. you know, but not if you keep dragging your feet at actually implementing it and cut down a whole bunch of stuff first and then say, okay, now we're going to do ecological forestry. (laughs) It's like, well, you already ruined a, a whole lot of stuff. And so how can you say this is ecological now now you're going to start after you already cut it all down yes you know it's a little too little too late right Um, so for this area in particular because this parcel um, is part of what they're hoping to create a much larger network of protected land okay Um, so it will make a difference if we can protect this Mm -hmm. Um, it's not so I originally was quite brokenhearted because I thought, oh, we're just trying to protect this little thing. Like, look at these are not big trees. And, but it's like it's one of those corridors that connects things Okay. Um, and, and helps. And that's what Rocky Point Lake was, too. That was the reason that was, was, was really important. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the other thing is is that they say that they cut Rocky Point Lake in an ecological manner. But I believe if you go, if you have someone who actually knows what they're looking at to go and look at it, it is very possible that it's not going to be all that ecological. So. Yeah,
0: and how is that happening when the, the forestry, like I guess Westmore, but they sure. have biologists and foresters that they, other people that they need to consult who gives them the okay on these things are they all doing bad jobs of what they do or are they not Uh, following what they're or what's going
1: on there? I don't know the answer to that for sure but I have heard say that some of the um, consultation things are very questionable like sometimes when you go into a meeting and you think you're gonna have a voice and then you don't get asked any questions and you know darn well if you say this if you answer this way some bad things are gonna happen to you mm-hmm. I've heard that that can be really? going on yeah no. mm-hmm. and I don't mean bad things like threatening your life or something I just mean like consequences in your job or right or okay. you, maybe you don't have the voice you actually thought That's you had yeah but like no I have definitely heard that there's um, a possibility that some of those places where there's consultation, it's is sort of a joke. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I heard an interview with the head of West for,
0: um, and and it was a uh, Portia Clark.
1: Interview? Yes, I did hear that too. Yeah, I haven't written. And, and, and he actually and sounded, you know, I was like, yeah, I, yeah, he I want to talk right. to that guy because yep. he's. Yep. I mean, is this sound PR all PR right. stuff, or mm-hmm. is
0: he actually does care and is just a little less aware than he could be or does he actually want the same things and it is more of a governmental problem or like you know, I was I really know. curious and even when she said, Well I don't think you know you're so you're using this language but but that basically is what you know that used to be called clear cutting, right? And he's like, honestly I don't know anymore, the definitions keep
1: changing. And right. like, That's good that he said that.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So
1: yeah. so most folks believe that the the terminology changing all the time is to keep people confused. Um yeah, so we went for a walk through here the other day just to go into the woods a little bit and mm-hmm. just look at the trees, and and it was quite like, yeah, they're not very big. It's it's just a struggling forest. It's not...
0: <laughs> right, with, with accompanying struggling wildlife, and this is their yeah. best bet right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah,
1: and a struggling planet that needs carbon sequestration, you know. <laughs> yeah, and needs
0: yeah. all the healthy wildlife. And plus, we're getting all these droughts lately, and there's a yeah. correlation, right, between logging and uh, there, the amount of rainfall that falls and when mm-hmm. I gather so yep. It could be an
1: agricultural problem as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but everything life is gonna get tricky. Yeah, life is getting trickier and trickier So like but, but maybe I can
0: ask you about like what do you see because I think I mostly am interested in I, I want to get some sort of basic overview of it of the historical and scientific context you know so maybe more people can kind of understand what's going on but also like think more about all the kind of reimagine what's possible you know like think about the positive Mm -hmm. like ideally if things could happen in an ecological way like what would that mean for the forest or the people here and the animals like what would be the best case scenario and try to really envision that so that we have something
1: positive to work towards instead of always Mm -hmm. just hearing about the bad news. Yeah, Nina again is the person I would talk to. Oh, okay. Oh, look at this. Yeah, that's something. That's something like a dog. Bobcat or a coyote. Hmm. Maybe that looks more like a coyote. Yeah, Yeah. look at him. He's walking down the road all by himself here. Yeah.
0: I'm just going to pause our conversation here to let you know about a relatively new Mighty Networks platform, which has been created by How We Thrive. To connect people in Mi'kmaqi around issues related to land and Indigenous sovereignty. It is called Land, Water, Spirit, and we invite you to join and be part of the online conversation and to hear about gatherings and meetings hosted in our region. Find the link at www.howwethrive.org.
1: The Leahy report is only about crown land, Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of times the forestry companies try to get the public to be against things like Extinction Rebellion or Ecology Action Centre or any of these organizations that are asking for ecological forestry, because they're like saying that they're going to like affect the way you can what you can do on your land, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So instead Mm of just continuously pushing that. I think uh, as part of her restorative justice and all the other people that got arrested they're actually contacting people that have woodlots that are private landowners and asking them how do you feel about this and here's what it would mean Mm -hmm. and if they actually go like yeah I think that's a great idea then you can be like well so there's tons of private landowners who have woodlots who agree with this you know that it's not that big of a deal it's not an oppressive thing to be ecological
3: right Hmm.
1: I believe it has something to do with that. Okay, which is pretty cool. Yes,
3: yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's their
1: payback for getting arrested. Yeah, really. That <laughs> is actually really interesting. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's <laughs> <Well, that's laughs> so, kind of inspiring in mm-hmm, a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, truthfully, Westford took like Westford took Extinction Rebellion to court, and and then and then there was this other criminal charge for the people that got arrested, and really that is interesting. Oh, what is that? oh
0: it's so fun to see tracks we don't have any snow on the ground where i live right now
1: (laughs) i guess the other thing too is to remind you of that court case did you know about the species at risk court case that yes was, that was quite quite a while
0: ago now yeah. a few years ago where the supreme court yeah. basically told the government of nova scotia that they need to protect the species at risk that's right
1: that's right yeah, when i heard
0: yeah. about that i couldn't get over <laughs> how that could happen and yeah. the government could not do it like yeah. like it, yeah you don't have to pay attention to the supreme court that's of right, your country well,
1: that's well what it is is that they say they are doing it but they're doing it very slowly but they can show you that they've done all these papers and there's um, all this office work um, and there's this, oh, and we're very close to doing this. So, unfortunately doing it is not the same as finishing it, completing it, actually getting it done on the ground. Oh, okay. But uh, in the meantime, if they're cutting on the core meantime, habitat that somehow allowed That's stone? right. Exactly. That's yeah. where it doesn't make any sense. No. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so the other thing uh, was that, you know, Westford took extinction Rebellion to court a year ago, and um, we were represented by not only Jamie Simpson of Juniper Law but uh, Ecojustice they represented us which was really great because Ecojustice does not they're not you can't hire them they only take cases if they believe they're important okay Um, so Ecojustice represented us and um, and we won (laughs) <laughs> so that's, that's a number of cases won now, the species at risk case, Jamie won that, uh, I was not guilty, and uh, Extinction Rebellion didn't have to pay court fees or anything, we didn't have to pay anything, uh, and the judge actually said we're an important part of a democratic society. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And has anyone from Extinction Rebellion, do you know, sat down with, like, the people from Westford, like, talked directly about this? Like, are there any shared
1: values or any shared understandings at all, do you think? There's definitely been a lot of trying to communicate, but mostly I think we try to communicate with the government. um, Because the government is the one who's given Westford the okay to do all this. Right, they're ultimately responsible. Maybe we should turn around and go back. Yeah. I have to get myself home okay to my back. animals. We're <laughs> <laughs> like turning back at the intersection of yeah, all this trail. Yes. But yes. so see how he's using the road. Yes. Right. So like he's like, well, why should I bother going in the forest when this is really easy? Mm-hmm. So same thing with deer with with a disease in their brain or yeah. poachers or different things. And yes, the more the um, natural spaces get get intersected by roads, mm-hmm. logging roads. Uh, And also, you get all these machinery here, the wildlife are going to run away, and then where have they got to go, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not going to hang around while there's, like, tons of trucks coming in and out and cutting, and (laughs) it's like... Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it might seem like, oh, it's just a road,
0: but all these species then, including humans, can move in ways that aren't natural to the existing
1: ecosystem. Yeah. We met a fella on his ATV, he's like, I've been driving this road for 70 years, you know, so... Oh,
0: yeah. Yep. And what did he think of you? Uh, uh,
1: Really friendly. That's the thing is um, generally there's um, a lot of people that are really supportive and grateful and say like yeah I've been coming here ever since I was a kid and it's really starting to change with the different clear cuts. Another thing that really disturbs me is when you walk down that original road past the tents uh, towards the clear cut Mm -hmm. there's three huge piles of logs that have been rotting like logs that were cut down and some of them are trees that are big and they're all covered in fungus and rotting. Just used. They were left. Wow. Yeah, and I guess the the I was asking my friends. I was like, why Why would they do this? And uh, somebody said, Well, it probably wasn't a whole truckload. So it was the last stuff that they didn't bother coming back for. Oh wow! Like, it's, yeah, there's, yeah. this is just a complete waste. No. This is like killing, you know, killing a cow and then not even eating it. Yeah. So it's just like completely and like there's some big beautiful trees in there in that pile
0: yeah just keep thinking like the people that must be doing this forestry work you know probably a lot of them got into it because they love being in the woods and they Mm -hmm. like nature Mm -hmm. and there's just some sort of like either maybe a bit of a disconnect or they don't have any choice because yeah that's the way things are now and their bosses have told them to do it or whatever it is it's just like just almost seems like the majority of people whether they're involved in the forestry work or not probably don't like this or don't like it if they actually have a chance to think about it a little uncomfortable about it but it's still happening right.
1: well I think that's the big monster of capitalism right we all have to put food on our plates we all have to have a roof over our head Mm -hmm. um we're not interconnected as a a society enough to share things i was talking to a friend of mine recently and it's like single household families and not having a village anymore we all are support that that's sort of in order to keep capitalism going the fact that it's like a family in their house has to have all the things. They have to have a lawnmower, mm-hmm. a laundry uh, facility, they have to have this pot and that <laughs> tool and that, you know everything. Totally, yeah. and so does the person right next to them. Mm-hmm. And it's like socially unacceptable to borrow their lawnmower all the time. Yeah, and we each have our own barbecues, and we each have, <laughs> and that's like keeping capitalism going, right? but but then we also um, all have to pay our mortgage or put the food on the table or pay for the oil bill or whatever. And so therefore everybody justifies, well, this job is kind of going against my values or I kind of feel uncomfortable about having to cut down all these trees and yeah, it's nesting season and all these birds have nests and we're just ruining them right now. You know, they actually cut during nesting season. But maybe if they were to stop and think they don't like it but they feel they don't have a choice because they have to bring home the money to pay for all the things so yeah i think you're
0: right i i've often thought in the past like it's very actually very hard to find jobs that are in line with your values like there aren't very Mm -hmm. many jobs around in our current system that (laughs) people can probably feel pretty happy about and that's right and good about supporting completely so yeah yeah and we're also not sort of really trained to think that we have much of a say or, or that's right much agency in, in in our lives at all so yeah yeah bigger issues
1: i guess and and i mean me i i've been doing a lot of activism since the end of 2018 but before that i was just living my life i'm just an ordinary person who's doing all the things that everybody else is doing but what happened to me is uh in the end of 2018 i heard the ipcc report the intergovernmental panel on climate change the report that came out that explained that we have to keep global heating to 1.5 degrees celsius in order to stay alive Mm -hmm. and i was like what (laughs) what (laughs) and i remembered i had a I had a memory of like a year or two before hearing something on the news about the IPCC report. And they had said something about we had 20 years or something in order to keep uh, global heating down to a certain degree. And I remember at that time, this is probably back in 2015 or, or something like that, I remember at that time sort of a chill went down my spine and I was like, oh, well. I've heard the government talking about carbon. I've heard them talking about this and that. I I guess they're working on it. You know, okay, I guess it'll be okay. You know, and I kind of shrugged it off and went on about my day. And then in 2018, when I heard about the 1.5, they said 12 years left. And three years it was only, yeah, Yeah. it was only two or three years later. And they had said 20 something or 25 or something. And I was like, well, that math doesn't work. (laughs) and didn't they just buy a pipeline or something like I was like, i was like wait a second i know that there's been a whole lot of uh, controversy right now about pipelines and still making more oil stuff and and uh so i was alone my partner was away for 10 days uh at the time and so i had a lot of time to research and read and i basically ended up having about 10 days on the couch crying and researching and I could barely feed myself. <laughs> I was so distraught and I read everything I could read about climate change and about about what's going on. And I was like, we're, we're killing ourselves. Like we're actually killing ourselves and it's going to happen quickly uh, now. Like we've stalled long enough now that it's now going to happen quickly. And, um, and that's when I saw about what Extinction Rebellion was doing in the UK and uh, Decided to get it going in Canada. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, reached out and connected and found a whole lot of people, and and a bunch of us got it going across the country. Wow. So, so that's how it started here. Yeah. So it started I,
0: with you researching and crying for 10 days. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I joined a, an online video debriefing. It was the first Zoom meeting I'd ever had, <laughs> uh, and there was people from all over the world. Um, and a couple of the people from the UK that were like helping regular people like me figure out how to bring it to their countries. Mm. And um, the, vi- the first video I did uh, was like somebody from France, somebody from Portugal, somebody from New Zealand, Germany, Italy, all these countries, and it's just somebody who's like afraid and maybe they were rolling around on their couch for 10 days crying like it was literally that full of emotion and everybody was just full of anxiety and horrified about this IPCC report that had just come out and so we're talking basically about the fact that the system is broken politicians only ever have to think four years at a time so they don't think about the long-term effects of choices in what they do and so it's really hard for them and they're just people too you know they're they're they they have to also put food on their table and worry about their families and maybe somebody's got mental health issues like we all have problems you know And somebody's struggling with this or that and they're just going to try to do their job but mostly they need to try to get re-elected in four years and so the fact is is that uh voting and and hoping for change through politics just is proven to not work and we need to do direct action in order to get in the way of it, and it's the only way to actually create changes. To is to actually put yourself in the way of the destruction, because all of the regular ways are proving they're not fast enough, or not efficient enough, or not not having yeah. enough of an effect. Right, and it really did speak to me because. You know, and all the people I've met and all the things I was seeing of good places like the Ecology Action Center and the Sierra Club and, and all of these different wonderful organizations that are trying their best to create positive change, they can only get so far because they're, they are usually bogged down in red tape court cases take a year or two Mm -hmm. you know and and then they go to appeals (laughs) and then you know or the the government is ignores it they get taken to supreme court and they're like they lose but yet they're still able to say like well we're doing it you know look at all this paperwork i have here (laughs) you know so you kind of need everything you need direct action you need the law you need the the court cases but you need it all and you need it all work to work together so and and. yeah. for me just being a regular person direct action was like well I can do that you know it's like yeah I can come and camp in front of something I can chain myself up to something I haven't done that yet that scares me and then once you start meeting people so, so basically in those international video meetings um, eventually I met somebody else in Canada somebody in BC okay. and, uh, and then we were like you know, okay give me your phone number and then uh we'd talk afterwards after the meeting's over and then we did another meeting that was like just north america and so then we've met more canadians and then we ended up getting about 10 women across canada is that you is there a drone it's a drone
0: oh where is it
1: oh ooh. I think that's a drone. I Weird little
0: giant flying insect yeah.
1: looking thing. <laughs> Those sounds are freezing.
0: Yeah, I was funny. It's like, is it well, me? I've never heard that noise I before. It's like, like a tape, like, tape recorder, an old fashioned tape recorder
1: or something. No. Oh. Yeah, uh. um, yeah so then, um, then we ended up finding about uh, six, then seven, then ten women across Canada. And we had a, a woman in every province. And it was women. It was single moms it was self-employed women who had time you know not doing oh what that's oh, a horn oh, oh shoot it's my don't car don't walk in the too way? fast no 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 it's oh. not about in the way oh maybe it's okay somebody's just moving around
0: i was just wondering like h- how you felt since you got directly involved in those things after not really being involved in activism yeah
1: well it was scary mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning i was known as the person who cries all the time <laughs> cuz i was like very torn you know yeah. i was like having the anxiety and the sadness and the fear about the climate crisis and then going like yeah okay I'll go do something and possibly get arrested because I believe in this that much you know and I don't that's scary how's that going to affect my life and you know I've got a lot of better things I'd rather be doing but I feel that this is so important that I feel I have to do this you know so it was very emotionally scary but the more you get together i have got a better view of it now oh the drone Yeah we saw that. I wonder whose drone it is. Wave and smile! Oh hi! Hi, Ruin! Oh hey pup! Oh (laughs) god I was wondering if dogs were welcome here. Mullen goes everywhere Heather is.
3: (laughs) Hi
0: Jacob! As Eleanor and I returned to the camp, we were greeted by some folks arriving. Two of the camp's frequent forest protectors, Jacob and Heather, had returned. One of the tents that we had passed earlier was theirs and they were returning to stay for a week this time shortly after their arrival the operator of the drone appeared his name is ian and he is a local woodlot owner whose family has been living in the area for a long time and who has a strong connection to these woodlands we enjoyed a good chat standing in the sunny snow-covered noon day we were interested to learn from his knowledge of these lands and hear about his observations of the forestry in the area.
2: If you point, drive buddy, out to Trout Lake and um, drive down all the way into the end of the road and back, and all on this side of the road along Trout Lake here, it was cut about ten years ago, and you can see where it was cut uh, right from the road. Um, and they they were quite selective about it. They left a lot standing, but it was a lot of. Um, of pine right and they pulled the spruce out and they left the pine right and uh, because they opened it up so much the wind came in Mm. and all these huge mass of pine trees this big Mm. they've grown and established a root base but that root base is shallow Mm -hmm. and it's used to having the wind uh, the windbreak from all the other trees. Mm-hmm. So once they opened it up and the wind came in, half of those trees fell over. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: And like within a year or so, half the trees they left were all on the ground.
3: Yeah.
2: Honestly, I've been looking at all the deadfalls and I'm going, oh, what a waste. Yeah. yeah. And going, they're beautiful, great big pines. Yeah. Laying there dead, legs. it's it's yeah. a sin to see it, just sitting there rotting.
1: That's how I feel about that stuff sitting there too. It's yeah. It's like it's like you, you killed it, but then you just left
2: it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a waste. Yeah. Now, have you noticed a lot in terms of less species of trees over the years? Uh, the oak is gone. Okay. Yeah. And really? it doesn't seem to come back.
1: Oak could be one of the ones that gets killed by glyphosate.
2: Oak is, it's expensive wood. Yeah. If you take the time to to work it and to to, wait for it to wait for it to dry it and everything else, right. and you know, there's some beautiful oak there were some beautiful oak ridges here. Um, Eelwire Lake, um, down the road here, I remember walking in there with my dad years ago and it would have been in the early 2000s, I think. And we walked into Eelwire Lake and it was just beautiful oak ridges everywhere.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was um, the next year they went in and cut and, uh, and it was all just gone. It's too bad because now you look at what's growing up and it's just, like alders and wire birch and 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 that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. not species that's going to make a good, you know, a good forest. Um, they didn't leave enough.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, if you if you leave a, if you cut a tree down and leave the stump, it'll send up shoots around it. If if you have enough of a forest, enough of a base for it to keep the root alive. But if you cut everything around it and the ground dries, Mm -hmm. the root will die. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And it won't send up any shoots and the tree won't keep growing.
3: Yeah, it won't absorb any carbon. Yeah,
2: Yeah. so if they cut every other tree and left left enough that the ground didn't dry out and the roots didn't dry and die, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: then the trees that they cut would send up shoots, send up runners, and every stump would have four or five trees growing off of it. Mm That's how my father cut firewood for years on his own lot. Right. We cut firewood off of that lot for ten-acre lot for uh, since the 40s. Right.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, and and uh, you could walk through it today, and you'd you'd never know there was wood cut there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Because every clump of trees, you'd cut every other one, and the ones you left would grow three times faster because they had a huge root base to sustain mm-hmm.
3: them. Mm-hmm.
2: We would cut firewood off of the same mm-hmm. sump five or six times over 20 years.
3: Mm-hmm. Year after year, yeah. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, they're, they're, the things, you know, the trees will keep growing if you leave them there. Mm-hmm. You if you the leave soil, enough of it.
1: And let the soil have enough nutrients.
2: And you and yeah. make sure the soil stays alive. Yeah. Here the soil's so thin, and mm-hmm. if you cut too much, it just doesn't grow back. Yeah. Out. Have you
0: noticed a lot of spraying in this area? Like juice? S-
2: I haven't seen it. I noticed last time I walked down this road uh, last year, uh, I walked all the way down out to Roxbury and I noticed they had signs up for spraying. Okay. But I think that got delayed. I don't know if it ever actually happened. Hmm. There, but, uh,
3: there was a bunch of spraying that didn't happen this year actually. Well, good. Yeah. There was a,
1: there was another camp, a protest camp. Yeah. There were some protest camps that were set up and, and like just made it difficult for them to spray.
2: Well, in the early 90s, spray. back when I was a teenager, my family used to go hunting out at Joe Simon Lake, which is down the number 10 further, out towards Waterloo. and We would go in around Joe Simon Lake and, again, beautiful oak hardwood ridges everywhere. And that's it was a popular area for hunting because of that. And um, they went in and cut. And uh, uh, it would have been in, in the in the mid 90s, and a few years after that, they sprayed. Um, yeah, around 96, 97, they sprayed in there, and I remember going up there that year to try and go hunting, and it was like a it was completely different. Really. You, you couldn't even hear birds, oh. you know? There was no squirrels, there were no birds, there was nothing, it was still and quiet. And mm-hmm. usually, in, you walk in the woods and if you just sit for 10, 15 minutes, the wildlife will start getting used to you and you'll see squirrels and birds and everything will start coming around, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it wasn't like that at all. It was yeah. just still, That's what... really affected yeah. everything. Uh, and no one went hunting in that area for several years afterwards. It took almost about 10 years before I I heard people say, oh, I'm going to go try, go hunting out there again. And it started picking up after about 10 years. That's
1: quite a story. Well, you pour, you pour you poison know. on something, it is going to affect it.
2: It dries yeah. the animals out. Yeah, They'd...
1: It's
0: not responsible forestry.
3: No.
2: <laughs> no. No, no. I don't. I honestly, the way that our industry is, the way that the world is, with with our consumption of product of, of resources and stuff. Uh, honestly, I don't think it's really sustainable the way things are. No. At all. Um, so sooner or later. Yeah. Something's going to give, and you're going to run out of resources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Yeah.
2: And it, there's no. There's no way, it may be sustainable profitably, yeah. but it's not sustainable environmentally. Yeah, it's not sustainable long long term. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, like the trees here are are, it's it's not a very good area for them to be growing in, right? So when you go right. and you, yeah. when you chop down everything in an area <laughs> like that, like yeah. it takes tons of time for yeah. for that yeah. to
2: grow back. You know, yeah. and like. Yeah.
3: When the and then yeah, like cooks place. the soil yeah, and exactly.
2: erodes all the dirt away, and yeah, yeah. And not only that, it's <clears throat> it's it's changing the the temperature of the uh, of the runoff, the water. Oh yeah.
3: So I've noticed
2: a lot of difference in this brook, fishing this brook for years and years. Okay. And um, the trout are gone. Well, the trout are gone everywhere. Mm. There's no trout left. And, um, but this brook has changed so much, and. You know how much of that is because, where are we? Right here, all along the edge of my property was cut uh, twenty odd years ago, um, and I and uh, honestly, I think it's changed the temperature of the runoff of the of the groundwater as it runs off that, totally that clear sense. cut. Okay. It's warmed it up, right. which has warmed the brook. That makes, sense. that makes sense. And if you warm the water, you're change- You're also going to change the oxygen content in the water.
3: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. So.
2: You just have to warm it half a degree, and you're going to change the amount of oxygen in the water. The trout aren't going to like it as much, and you're not going to have as many trout. So, it's going to warm up the ground, which is going to warm up the water.
1: Sun's sun's shining on the ground. You don't have the mulch. You don't have the tree cover.
2: Um, If you catch a trout anywhere here on the on the north mountain or on the south mountain and uh, the meat on the trout is, uh, is is always yellow around here. It's very, kind of very, almost brown. Uh, you get a trout down in the valley, and it'll be kind of pink. Hmm. You get a trout that's, uh, what is it, that's sea-run trout, Sea-run trout will be white. All of that is because of the water that it swims in, that it lives in. Mm-hmm. So the water here, the tannin in the water, you know, it colors the the, the the fish a yellow color. So you start cutting more and more trees, and you change the species that are that are left around the brooks. You know, I, I've I haven't um. caught a trout here in this brook for years, but I I wonder. Uh, you know if they're different color now than they used to be wow because there's different trees here now than there used to be there's not as much oak so there's not as mm-hmm. much tannin in the water you mm-hmm. know I wonder about stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. i think forestry is necessary i think we need it mm-hmm. and because of that i think we got to i think we got to do it we got to find a way to do it that works way better than this
0: Right. So this is no good. We need it. But but just just to say that forestry is important isn't a good enough excuse to ravage the forest the way it's been.
2: You know, they shouldn't be looking at an area to cut if the area around it hasn't regrown to a certain amount. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. if it it isn't growing back to a certain level, a certain amount,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: then maybe they need to look at how they're cutting and going, Okay, well, what we're doing here isn't working because it hasn't grown back. Why hasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Maybe if we could go back to the. I mean, the old course dragon yeah. ways i
0: i do it'll, know, I it'll never that, happen. never do that but
2: it'll never i do happen. know
1: some people in new to. brunswick yeah. who still do it
0: well wind horse was doing it until very recently they still might be doing it yeah. i think there are a few people even in petite i know someone that does it yeah. they are little pockets of people still yeah. doing yeah. that well yeah.
2: even even with with uh know you know right. small tractors and and, right. and and uh powered uh powered trailers with grapples and stuff like that you can still go in and go and if around. you have a small crew of people you could yeah. get a lot of wood out it yeah. would be great for generating small business
1: yeah you'd have a lot of people employed still yeah you know you take away a few machines you add people yeah,
2: yeah. but so. the costs are gonna go up sure something's yeah. something's gonna give something's gotta but aren't you change those machines thing, really expensive
1: <laughs> the machines really expensive and, and as the waste? fossil fuels
0: really. keep going up yeah too.
1: Like and like the waste i don't know there's I think just
2: what ultimately needs to happen <clears throat> is we need to stop using as much wood sure yeah we need yeah. to find other building products
1: yeah the 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 other point though is that the majority of the trees that are cut in Nova Scotia are not going to lumber. Uh, they're yeah. going to pulp and paper pulp and chips and, and wood chips and um, pellets, pellets for, for heat. Uh, biomass for electricity. Do you know what about biomass yeah. for electricity? Yeah. How terrible it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's really. Oh, a yay. Bad we stop to... burning coal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
3: Let's cut the
2: forest <laughs> down. We
1: well, talked to Nova Scotia yeah. Power, and they said like, oh, the biomass is like not even you know, it's barely anything for what yeah. we're getting our energy from. It's like minimum it's or, or maximum it's about 2% of yeah. the energy. Yeah. And so I'm like, so then why are you doing it at all? Because if mm-hmm. you're only getting 2% of your energy from biomass, but yet then you're you completely it? destructing the forest for that measly 2%, then it, do- it doesn't make sense. It's yeah. a great loss for yeah. a small game. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> they're like well, exactly. the, the government uh, needs us to have a certain percentage of renewable resource, renewable energy. Uh-huh. Like, well, well so that's not
0: still renewable. falls into that category <laughs> somehow. Yeah. But yeah. that's a really good point about mm-hmm. the uses of it. Like, what is the value of the wood yeah. that's being taken from the forest? Mm-hmm. But also, like, when you talk about smaller machines or draft horses coming in, yeah. it's like, what time of year? You know, are they going to log only when the ground's frozen or they're not going to log when the birds are nesting yeah like that yep, would yep. make a huge difference too right and you could still mm-hmm. take wood from the forest well then look
2: at all of the fallow fields that are up and down the annapolis valley that uh, all the old farms farms that are not in production anymore okay yeah and start um, uh i wish we'd start be- pay people a little bit of money to yeah. rent the fields to yeah. plant uh Kale or some high fiber. I wish we crop, do hemp,
1: hemp, hemp. Something, yeah, yeah, or forest, and then use that for forest. biomass. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish we do hemp oh, yeah. for yeah. biomass. Yeah. And, and then, hemp would also do a lot of fiber. Or, mm. Hemp whatever. would take the place of the paper. Hemp, hemp would, hemp would do, the, do the textiles and the paper and yeah, yeah. Hemp Anything that
2: one. grows fast mm. and has a lot of fiber, yeah, yeah. you can turn it into biomass. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, like there's all kinds of other solutions. They're just not as quick and easy. As yes, and, train it, it, cool. and it
1: requires the big turnaround. And the people who don't who are like holding on right now don't mm-hmm. want the turnaround. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. one of the uh, it's it yeah. is difficult it's to stop like, the industry stop a is established. Train. Yeah, mm-hmm. so exactly. And those machines are expensive, but now they're here. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's why it's really hard. Yeah. The, the horrifying yeah. thing to me is like, has not anyone realized we're in a climate crisis? Like, oh, because, yeah. how come you keep talking don't about this? Don't look up. Right.
3: Not, that's right. Yes, don't Yeah. not look up. i got like to get bird. birds, guys. Aww. Nice you're to in. meet you, Ian. Thank you Good for to telling you. us. Good oh, you. Take care. Bye. Thanks, <laughs> nice to see you. Yeah, nice to so see you, Eleanor. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much for what you're doing. Take care. Stay warm. Thanks. Don't hesitate to go into the camp if you need to. I know Randy left it open for you guys. We appreciate that.
0: Thank you. At the end there, we were excitedly brainstorming possible solutions to meet society's energy needs. I don't know if all of our ideas are good ones, but I do think it is important that people dream together about what else could be possible. That is often how solutions are born through having lots of different ideas, not worrying too much initially about their practicality, and discussing them with others who are open to imagining all sorts of options. During my conversation with Eleanor, I commented on a relationship between logging and rainfall amount, and I wanted to point out that this is something I need to follow up on. I read something about this once, but look forward to speaking with a scientist, perhaps a hydrologist, who can explain if and how forestry can affect precipitation patterns. Also, I hope to speak with someone from Westfor at some point to see what their perspective is and to find out if they feel they are working towards an ecological forestry model and what their barriers and challenges may be. There is currently an online fundraising auction happening to raise funds to cover the legal costs incurred as part of Eleanor's court case. You can find it on Facebook by searching for Extinction Rebellion Megmoggy NS online auction to assist with legal fees. You can also find a link to this as well as to organizations mentioned in this episode in the show notes. The items in the auction range from permaculture consultations to baked goods to art and can be bid on until May 27th. In an upcoming episode, you will hear my conversation with Nina Newington during my return to Last Hope Camp. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Shared Ground. I look forward to this journey with you and with our guests to learn more about the incredible value of thriving forests, methods and mindsets for their protection, and regenerative solutions for how we interact with and within them. Subscribe to Shared Ground wherever you get your podcasts so you automatically receive episodes when they are released. Until next time, fellow humans. Thank <tries> you.